Amen. That's the word to you this morning. Jesus is waiting right where you're at with open arms. Amen. Aren't you glad that his love is so huge and so big for us? It covers so much. It expands beyond anything we could think of or imagine. And this morning it has entered into your house. It has entered into your living room, entered into your dining room, wherever you're at. It has entered in. Amen. Well, let's usher it in. Let's just pray that we open our hearts this morning to the love of God and we could feel it and walk in it and resonate in it. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning that you would flood in, God, that you would just come in and move in like a flood into our homes and into our living rooms and into our places, God. Our homes are this morning becoming places of worship, places of worship unto you, God, where we set aside all the distractions and all the other things. We set aside anything else we're looking to do or build or have and focus on your love this morning, God, because your love has found us. Amen.
Amen. Aren't you glad that his love finds us? Amen. I want to read this morning from the book of Ephesians. So you read it there on your screen. For this reason, seeing this great, the greatness of his plan by which we are built together in Christ. Aren't you glad that there's a plan that builds us together in Christ? And this was Paul's prayer. I bow my knee before the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and in earth is named. That father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name, may he grant you out of the rich treasure of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your inmost being and personally, and personality, sorry. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in the love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp. Now catch this. What are we going to apprehend and grasp? With all the saints, meaning all the church, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, which is in breadth and length and height and depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience of yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who by in, in conquer of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or imagine beyond our highest prayers, our desires, our thoughts, our hopes, or our dreams. To him be in glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So be it. You know, Paul's prayer is that we would be able to somehow grasp how deep and how wide God's love for you is. Amen. It is finished. 
from heaven to earth to express your love for us by dying on the cross. God, that through our faith in you and your story, that it's true and that you are right and you're good, that faith becomes a, not just a knowledge faith, but a personal and an expression of faith, of something we experience and something we can know. And so that's the word of Paul to you this morning, that you can know the love of God. So if you don't know the love of God this morning, I just want to encourage you, take a few moments when we break here. Pray out, cry out to God. Let him hear your heart this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this with us. We're so looking forward to the day that these chairs are, I see your face in these chairs, which is coming soon. And I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is going to be such a glorious reunion. Um, so we're going to take a few moments right now. Please take this time with your family to continue worshiping and your tithes and offerings. And go ahead, take these few moments and log on to the app or the website or Write that check and put it in the mail. We thank you. Be blessed. Man, it is so great to be with you guys this morning. I'm just so glad to have the opportunity to be in your home and to worship with you, and this is just a, such a wonderful opportunity. So thank you for being a part of this today and being on this journey with us. Uh, many of you guys have been on this journey 
Uh, it seems like a long journey already, and even though it's only been a short bit of time. Um, and it makes us, with longing anticipation, ready to get back together, doesn't it? Don't you feel that? Man, I sure do. Um, hopefully, if you've been on this journey with us, you've tuned in to the Friday nights, uh, Q&As. If you haven't, check that out, or the Deeper Life Bible Studies. Man, these have been some great uh, opportunities for us to kind of get together, uh, to, to, to meet up with one another, to share ideas. But these have been some great studies that Pastor John has taken us through. And, I, man, I just encourage you to, to jump into that. Um, but this morning, if, if you will, turn with you, me and your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And we're going to read from that this morning. And, um, man, if this has been anything for you uh, this time, this season in life, man, you have probably felt that um, your life has been a little disheveled. You've probably felt like things have been way different than you're used to. Uh, if, if you're, you know, you're learning how to navigate new things. Maybe you're learning how to cook, or maybe you haven't learned how to cook new dishes, right? Um, man, maybe you've been able to love on your yard like you never have before. Uh, for some of you, you who are parents, you're learning how to navigate both work and teaching your children. You know, you're having to take on new, new duties. You're having to redefine how your life works and lives. And it creates this tension moment in our lives, and it creates all these extra things that are going on. It creates a new way in which we have to evaluate our life. And, you know, a lot of times um, little quotes help us through that, don't they? We, we like little memes. You know, we have our memes that we get on, on Facebook or Instagram. We'll share them with other friends because they kind of connect with us, right? I mean, you're probably guilty of that. How many memes have you shared already, right? Um, I know here at church, Melissa keeps us covered with means, so I don't have to share any. She keeps a lot of great ones coming. But, but, um, but for me, I love quotes. I'm, I'm a quote guy. And um, today I have a quote that I've recently adopted out of Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll get into that. But, um, man, I just really do like some quotes. And so I got some quotes for you today. Um, maybe you'll, you'll recognize these, you'll know these. Uh, do or do not, there is no try, right? Some of you Star Wars fans will get that one. Um, the rest of you, I'm sorry, maybe I'll get another one for you. Um, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened, right? Dr. Seuss. Right, did you get that one? All right, a, a lot of you guys should get this one. Now, this should be an easy one. Or at least it, it is, this is one I've had my whole life, right? My dad instilled me in this. Life is hard. It's even harder when you're, there you go, stupid, right? John Wayne. Dream as if you'll live forever. Live as if you'll die today. And if you're a rebel, you'll recognize that from James Dean, right? Uh, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Helen Keller. All right, see if, you, see if you can finish this one, right? No pain, no gain. Yeah, yeah. Give me liberty or give me death. All right, semper fidelis. All right, y'all are getting these, all right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You see, we like these little memes. We like these, um, these uh, quotes because they help us take big ideas and simplify them down into this smaller narrative, something we can verbalize, something we can share with others. And I, we can take a big idea and reduce it down in a simple language for other people. And we like these. And so today out of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I want to do that. I want to take this verse and these concepts and bring them down into two simple ideas and a quote and hopefully share that with you today. So for Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, uh, before we get into it, let's pray. If, if you will, pray for me, as Pastor John says, man, pray for me 
as I pray for myself, that God would just use this moment, that he would speak, that the messenger would be made null and void, and that his spirit would work and he would move. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, I do ask, I I so much need you in this moment. God, I I don't want to just be my words. I don't want to just speak. I don't want to just talk. God, this isn't a self-help. This isn't uh, betterment. God, this is your word that we're looking into. This is your words that give life and hope, that bring reassurance, that sometimes correct us, that sometimes put us back on the right track. But it's your words that breathe life into us. And God, today we want to look at your words. We want to look at what you're saying. We want to listen for your heartbeat in us and in this church. So God, would you speak through your messenger today? God, would you use my simple frailties today for your purpose and for your goodness, for your majesty, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Man, the author here uses this word, great cloud of witnesses. He could have used a bunch of different terms, but yet he takes this idea, this word clouds, that denotes very much density. You know, our Christian faith isn't made up of people who are just sparsely here and there, just a couple folks. No, this Christian faith is made up of a dense cloud of witnesses. Man, the number of people that have done this, that have run this race, that have lived out this life are immense. They're innumerable. Even the the author of Hebrews here in the previous chapter says that there's so many, I can't name them all, and I can't tell you all the stories. We don't have enough space. If you've ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll see it's it's a big book with a lot of stories, and yet it only captures a small glimpse of a few lives. You see, there's not enough volumes to capture all the stories. And so the author uses this term, a great cloud of witnesses. Not a small cloud, a great cloud. And let us also lay aside us. This is the church. This is people throughout history. This is that great cloud. So this isn't just one of us. This is us. This is what we need to do. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, the quote I have this morning from this verse is, travel light, but with great purpose. And so I've made that my points this morning. And so the first one is travel light. Now, I don't know if any of you have gotten into backpacking. It's something that my dad got me into early uh, early on as a young man, Um, probably a dad of three boys, had, had to figure out a way to get all our wiggles out, right? Like if you have sons, you understand they have a lot of energy, right? (laughs) They just never stop. And so here's my dad with three boys, and he takes us backpacking very often. And recently, me and my brothers got a chance to all get back together, and we thought it would be really cool to go back maybe on one last backpacking trip with my dad, and he's starting to get a little older. And so we wanted to make sure we had one more in before we had got done. And I don't know if you do much backpacking. It's been a while for me since I've been. And uh, through the years, I've gotten to this point where I, I like 
all the amenities at the campsite, right? <laughs> I like to kind of more glamp than camp. And so I, I like to carry a few extra things. And so as I'm packing for this, tr- this trip, you know, we're only thinking of, you know, one uh, night stay. We'll hike in, spend the night, hike out, and then um, spend the rest of the time together. And so, uh, you know, I have my water filter, and I have all these things, and you can take the, uh, the, our, the, the ready-eat meals, and you can get all this stuff reduced down and to lighten your load. But here I am packing, and I, and I pack two gallons of water, right? I need enough water to cook with and to drink and to make sure I have an extra, right? And so uh, I'm loading myself down with two gallons of, of water, and I load myself down with canned food, right? I'm just going to open the can, warm it up right there, and, and eat it. You know, this isn't trying to save space. Um, after a while, you know, I'm still strong, and I can still do it. And what's, you know, 40 pounds versus 70 pounds, an extra 30 pounds, right? Not a big deal. And so here I'm stepping out on this journey with my brothers and my dad, and we begin this walk. And um, little did we know that this was almost vertical. <laughs> so here we are stepping out on our trail, and we had looked at the map, and we thought, well, let's go this shorter distance. We didn't want to do this super long trail. We wanted to do the shorter trail. And we didn't know that that shorter trail went straight up the side of a mountain. So literally every step we took was up. And it felt like we just climbed a staircase. And so we start out on this journey, and, you know, you start quick with a lot of anticipation and, and excitement. And then it didn't take too, too long for us to realize that this was becoming very hard on my dad. And so um, I watched my dad a couple times lose his footing. And so I figured, man, we, we, we need to really step in here. And so this was just a little bit into this hiking trip. And at that moment, I decided that I would carry my bag and my dad's. Now, I asked the question earlier, what's 30 extra pounds, right? (laughs) Well, when you're carrying your load and someone else's, 30 pounds makes a big difference. You see, the idea is to travel light. You know, I step out on this journey and we had carried, I carried my bag and my dad's bag all the way to the top of the, to the, to this, this mountain. And we started off at first, I was able to carry two bags, but as we got further and further in the journey, I had to set one down, go down a little bit, set that one down, go get the other one, carry it, and I leapfrog the bags up the hill, up the mountain. You see, the idea is to travel light. And the question this morning I want to ask, and three points to this is, if you're taking notes, you can write this under Travel Light. Verse, the number one is, are you carrying more than you should? Are you carrying more than you should? You see, I, I went out on this trip, and I, and I thought, it's not a big deal that I'm carrying an extra 30 pounds. It's not going to matter in the big scope of things. I've got it. It's okay. But yet in the middle of the journey, I found out 30 pounds mattered. Are you carrying more than you should? You know, Jesus said, Matthew eleven thirty 30, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lot of times in this journey, we carry way more than we should. We're burdened down way more than we should be burdened because we haven't given our burdens to Jesus. We haven't come to his cross and laid them down. Maybe you're watching this morning and you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ. You've never bowed your knee to Jesus Christ. 
but you feel that you're being crushed under this load and under this weight, can I tell you this morning that Jesus is calling you, he's beckoning, beckoning you to bring your burden and lay it down. The same way I carried my dad's pack is Jesus is ready to carry yours. In fact, he's carried it all the way up the hill to Calvary. You see, the thing is, is if we're overburdened, then we don't have the capacity to carry another person's burden. If you're so weighed down in your life that you're barely making it, how are you going to shoulder your brother's burden? If your time is consumed with just you, when are you going to find time to be the church body? If you're living paycheck to paycheck, when are you going to have the resources to help a brother in need? You see, this is the point of traveling light. This is what the author is telling us, that let us lay aside every weight. The enemy would love more, nothing more than to burden you down with the cares of life. In fact, it was Jesus who tells the parable of sowing the seed, and he uses the, the, the illustration of the seed that is sown among the, the thorns and it says it choked out the good news. Why? Because it was the burdens of life. It was the cares of life that choke out the good news. This morning, are you carrying more than you should? You know, and, and maybe you're thinking, nah, man, life's easy. I got it good. Easy does not always mean godly. Easy does not always mean godly. Just because your life is easy doesn't mean you're stepping into the right. And that's not what I'm trying to convey this morning, that our life should be easy because easy doesn't make, equal godly. And there's many preachers out there who would tell you that, oh, man, that this life should be easy and it's the best. Now, no, the, the Hebrews 11, if you'll read it right before this, talks about men being sold in half, walking around in, in, in sheepskins and in, in goat hair. That was the clothes they had to wear, eating honey and locusts. Like these were men who sometimes were destitute and, and without anything, but yet great men of faith. This morning, are you carrying more than you should? The second thing is your testimony, is your ministry crippled by sin? This is what it means to travel light. Sin is crouching at your door. This is what God would look at Cain and tell him. Sin is crouching at your door. Peter would write in 1 Peter 5a, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The enemy's after you. He's after your children. He's after your family. He's after your marriage. He's after your relationships. He would, do, he would love nothing more than destroy the things around you. He's a destroyer. He's a liar. And Hebrews would tell us to set aside the weights that burden us down and to set aside the sin which so easily encumbers in us and it slows us down and it weighs us down because that sin hangs closely to us and it, it's like a rope that binds our legs and holds our arms in and it reduces our ability. Is your ministry, is your te testimony crippled today because of sin? If it is, would you repent? Maybe even pause this right now if you need to. Pause this message and, and get with God and, and confess. Is your ministry crippled by sin today? And the third thing I would say about traveling light is this, is can you move with the moment? 
You know, the Bible's full of stories where men were asked, men of God, men of faith, men of renown, who were asked, could they move with the moment? You know, Daniel didn't prepare to be thrown into a lion's den. David wasn't looking for a fight when he met Goliath. Paul and Silas were just going to the temple when the blind man asked. There was even Jesus who said he felt virtue leave him when the woman with the issue of blood touched him. You see, if we're burned down, if we're carrying a load, if we're overcome, if we're crippled by sin, then we're not able to move in the moment. If our eyes are always set on our destination, we can never be flexible to move in the moment. You know, some things that grip us is we, we get so caught up on the destination, we miss the journey. If you're financially strapped, you can't move in the moment. Do you have any fluidity in your life to love others? This is what it means to travel light. This morning, travel light, but with great purpose. You see, you've been fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God and crafted for good works that he's prepared for you in advance. This is what Paul would tell us in Ephesians 2. That you, an other author would say, that you're God's raw materials. That you are the brick, the mortar, and the shingles. This building is not the church. You and I are the raw materials that God uses to showcase his glory, to build his kingdom, to send forth his victories. You have a great purpose on your life. And if you're burdened down or if you're encumbered by sin, you'll not get into your purpose. This is what it means by traveling light. For if we're traveling light, then we can move into our purpose. Yet many times we don't see our lives with this understanding. Man, if you get up every day early and go to work and you work hard and you work a long day, sometimes it's hard to see that there's a purpose beyond just the normal. Maybe if you're a mother of a bunch of kids and you work a job too, it's hard to see that there's a purpose in the normal. But might I submit to you, it was a starving widow. It was a starving widow that God used to sustain a prophet and to raise her son from the dead through a simple act of faith, of cooking a biscuit. It was a Jericho woman who preserved her whole family through a simple act of faith. It was David who met his destiny while delivering cheese to his brothers. It was a young orphan who would become a queen (laughs) to rescue her people. It was the simple obedience of a servant who would get water during the middle of the day when people didn't go get water in the heat of the day, who would lead the disciples to a room where the Last Supper would take place. It was a simple act of obedience that brought a cult to a town that would usher in the Prince of Peace. It's so hard in the mundane to see the purpose of God until we look back. And as you look back over your life, so many times you can see it now that there's been mundane, there's been simple moments, but it's been the hand of God defining a purpose in your life. You see, I believe the key to understanding our purpose is found in our journey. 
Hebrews 11.8 says this about Abraham. It says that he obeyed and when he was called to go to a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. And it said he went out not knowing where he was going. You see, if you're still looking for your purpose in life, or might I suggest you're a, a graduate who's looking to graduate soon, either from high school or from college, or maybe you're just a freshman in college and you're still trying to figure out what life looks like, or man, maybe you've got 10 years past college and man, things still haven't added up for you yet. May I suggest that if you're still looking for your purpose, to step into the unknown. You see, as God called Abraham, he called him to live beyond his maps, live beyond what he knew, what he was familiar with, to leave his family and to go. But where? Go. But, but what are we going to do? God, go. But, but where are you sending me? Go. But what is it going to look like? Go. What do I need to take? Go. You see, God is calling you and I into an adventure. He calls this church into an adventure. No, he doesn't tell us what it looks like. He asks us to live beyond the maps. You see, I think a problem we have in church and with Christianity a lot of times, I know our bookstores are full of books, but we have many Christians who are living on the maps of other people's. They read the journeys that someone else had with God and they won't take their own. They won't dare go get their compass and tune it to God and go take a journey, take a risk of faith. You see, it's more comfortable to read somebody else's story and wish we were them. But God's asking us to write a story with him, to step into the unknown. And he's asking us to navigate by looking up. When God called Abraham, he caught him out, and God, when Abraham was kind of wondering, God, what is this going to look like? What is this? I don't understand how this is going to happen. He caught him out of his tent. He said, look up. And he said, what do you see? I said, oh, I see stars. And God called Abraham to navigate by looking up. And the second thing might I suggest in us finding our purpose is to live with intent. Be intentional in everything you do. Verse 1, Hebrews says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before him. I don't know if, if you've ever been in a race, but you, if you've been in a race and you haven't been prepared to enter that race, if you aren't intentional about entering that race, you will not finish. I can tell you, I, there's nothing I hate more than running. You know, and that's why, you know, you, you drive down the road and, and you see these runners and they all have angry looks on their face, right? Ever wondered? <laughs> Man, these people say they love running, but they look so angry. <clears throat> you know, that, that's me. I, I, I remember um, in high school, I ran track to try to condition for wrestling. I didn't care much about running. And so they, the coach put me on the two-mile. Um, the, the, the and so I remember just running in circles around this track, and it felt so boring and so meaningless. And it ended up I only went to one track meet. <laughs> I hated running. But I can tell you, you don't enter a race without being intentional. And he calls us to enter the race, to let us run with endurance. You see, travelers are the ones who take moments of rest, who wait and refresh themselves. But it's the racer who must keep running or he ceases to race. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you run a 5K or you've uh, been adventurous and wanted to run a half marathon and, and you've got out and you notice that if you ever stop in the middle of a race, you're done. 
Like the race is over. It's hard to get back going again. You know, maybe you're a NASCAR fan and you'll get this, but you can't live in the pit stops. Yeah, you might have a pit stop for a refuel. You might have a pit stop to get new tires, but the race isn't one in the pits, it's one on the track. The football player who suits up never wants to sit on the bench. He wants to be in the game. And in Amos 6.1, God would write this, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. You see, to be at ease is the very opposite of running a race. The enemy of your soul would love for you to embrace a sedimentary life. He would love for you to seek after ease and comfort. He would love for you to reduce your risk. He would love for you to dismiss, dismiss the idea of selling everything you had to go overseas to a foreign mission field. He would love for you to, to, to cancel the idea of quitting your job to go start a new business with nothing. You see, the enemy of your soul would love nothing more than you to live in peace and comfort. In 2 Samuel 11, it says this about David. In the spring of the year, the time the kings went off to battle, David sent Joab, and he remained in Jerusalem. If you know your Bible, you know the rest of that story. It wasn't only a, two sentences later that you see David looking out over the roof at a lady and then wants her, and then takes her, and then sins, and then ends up murdering a man. You see, when God called Abraham, he tells him to pack up and move, to get ready to go, because we're going on an adventure. And I'll let you know as we go. You see, we want our calling to be a place rather than a journey. We've bought into a sedimentary life and we want comfort and ease. And we, like King David, when we should be advancing the kingdom, we stay at home and rest. This is why I believe so many men are captive in sin or are caught up in sin. You see, we've traded the race and we've traded our calling for comfort. But can I remind you this morning from the book of Hebrews, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The author here in Hebrews calls us to set aside the things that keep us from our purpose and from our calling, the things that distort the work of God in our lives. It's time for us to become nomadic with God, to be able to move in the moment. Sir, ma'am, is that you today? Are you caring more than you should? Has your testimony and your ministry been distorted because of sin? Can you step into the unknown? Are you living with intent? You see, we, we can become comfortable. We can become accustomed to the weight that we, bear, that we carry. And we can begin to think that this is our life and this begins to define who we are. Maybe you've had an incident in your life that's, that's crippled you, that's taken your ability to work or it's changed your life. Maybe you've had a de traumatic, defining moment in your life and Maybe you've let that define you and become your identity, but I want to tell you today that our identity is not found in our burden. It's not found in our struggle. It's found in the purpose and the calling that's on your life. And God's asking you to trade your burden for his purpose. 
Too often we take our identity from our struggle rather than our purpose that Christ has in our life. And this morning I want to ask you, sir, ma'am, college student, high school student, is that you? Do you need to make a big exchange with Jesus this morning? Do you need to trade? Maybe there's something you've been carrying for a long time that he's saying, can I have it? Maybe you hear him this morning say, hey, can I have that? I know that's defined you for 20 years. Can I have that? Yeah, that's stopped you from your ministry for 20 years, but it hasn't stopped me. Can I have that? I believe the author of Hebrews is asking us to travel light, but with great purpose. Maybe that's you today. Would you take the next few moments with your family and pray this? Maybe ask each other, is there something you need to lay down? Is there something, a sin that's tangled you that you need to be brought free from? Maybe you need to confess it to another man in your life or another woman in your life. Or, or call somebody or talk to them. Man, call up here at the church. One of us would love to talk to you. So let me close in prayer, if you can. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for your word. Your word that sharpens and directs us. God, that we would become like arrows, like in your quiver that we would become pointed and sharp and ready for action. God, would you let us lighten our load today so that we can be ready to move in the moment. God, that so we can recognize the moment which you set in front of us and that we're quick to move. And it was even David in that moment who put on Saul's armor and said, I can't do this in Saul's armor because it's too heavy, it's too burdensome. I need to be light, I need to be able to move. So this today, God, would you quicken our hearts and what we need to let go of, to let you carry? If there's a sin that's entangled us, God, would you reveal it to us? God, would you burden our hearts to confess and to repent and to turn? God, would you give us lives that are intentional, that are intentional to the purpose and calling you set before us? God, that are intentional to step out into the unknown, intentional to look up to our navigation. God, that we would live beyond the maps of others and let you write our story. God, would we do this? God, I pray today in Jesus' name, amen.